This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. You're listening to MPB's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. Old Man Willie! Touchdown Raiders! The throw is to Rice! Touchdown! Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Unreal! Got a show idea? Email us. Sports at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. Good Thursday morning to you with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Sam, good morning. Hello, Jay. It's uh, August now. Yes, so very we're, hot. we're less than yeah, extremely hot, <laughs> and less than one month before football season starts. So, That's in true. this football crazed state, it's uh, it's it's a fever pitch. It's come to yeah. I've never seen people anticipating football season. People getting so uh, excited. If anybody's ever been or participated in a football practice, um, <laughs> they are not the ones who are excited about yeah. football practice starting. But. Uh, uh, yeah, it all starts uh, started Monday for Mississippi State. Starts Sunday. Um, odd start date for the Rebels. Uh, reason being uh, for uh, Ole Miss school starting on the twenty second is yeah. different. And then of course the season opener is uh, a couple days after everybody else, September the fifth, uh, Labor Day night, Monday night uh, against yeah. uh, Florida State. So uh, Florida State's also starting uh, the eighth. So they theirs is backed up as well. So if any Ole Miss fans out there are thinking, oh no. They're going to get a head start. They get the jump. They they don't. Not so. Actually, uh, Ole Miss kind of gets the jump a little oh, bit, by like a day. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's kind of like the first day of school. I don't know how much you really do on the first day That's of true. practice. Yeah. You get and, your team photo made and all that <laughs> stuff, I guess. Report day. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. So, you know, Jackson State, new coach Tony Hughes. Yeah. Uh, they started this past week, and their practices are at 5 in the morning, Sam. Yeah. It ain't hot then. It's yeah, just early. I, I was doing a workout program when he took over uh, out there and was uh, and was around, the, around them during their spring uh, ball. They practiced, They started at 5. That practice field was a um, was a goat range before he got there, and I guess he took some of that Mississippi State turf management with him from Starkville because it looks fantastic <laughs> out there. That's great. Uh, so, I'm already making uh, already making strides and making a place look better. Uh, literally, day four of his arrival, the field was ripped up and they put new field, new turf in, so or new that? new grass down. So it yeah. uh, looks great. Yeah, I tell you what, I'm excited about his tenure there. You want to talk about a guy that's motivated to be a leader? Uh, Tony Hughes took a pay cut mm-hmm. to get that job. Uh, you know, he was uh, a highly regarded recruiting. Uh, specialist and uh, assistant coach in the SEC. Can't be in a higher league than that in college football. And uh, he took a uh, a pay cut to be the head coach at Jackson State. And that's not a knock on uh, on Jackson State. Well, um, I mean, he was an assistant coach at Mississippi State in the SEC in this market, in this climate right now. I mean, I, I would imagine NFL assistants might take a pay cut going down to the uh, – taking a job for the NFL right now. So. Yeah. I mean, already head coaches in the SEC make more than some NFL coaches, so yeah, absolutely part of it. But uh, you know, eventually you get to a certain age in your career, and you've got to you've got to prove to someone at some point that you can be the top guy. Jay Hobson did the same thing, taking a job in the same league. He'd been a career assistant. It was obvious that no one was 
you know, he whatever buzz around his name was not enough to get him a head coaching job uh, at the highest level. So he took the job at Alcorn, which was, uh, you know, that that was an um, what's the best way to put it? That's a an interesting career path for him. It's yeah. out of the box thinking for Alcorn. Yeah, first uh, and it first white out. coach for uh, in SWAC history. Yeah, so uh, Alcorn took a jump with him, and he took a jump with Alcorn, and it all well, worked and out. And it's not just the it's not just the black white thing, but it is. I mean, so often the SWAC schools are not required, but highly encouraged by their own fan bases to stay in the family. Yeah, um, I mean that's what Jackson State has had to do for so long is stay in the family. Um, and Tony Hughes, not an in-the-family hire. Jay Hobson was not an in-the-family hire. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, it's uh, let's win the games now. So, uh, But like you said, the fall practice started for Mississippi State this week. They got some really interesting questions. They got four quarterbacks they're looking hard at. I think when the season starts, they may not have four quarterbacks in that roster anymore. Dan, Dan Mullen eluded uh, to this. Yeah. Uh, and I thought that was pretty interesting. Um uh, I, I think it's um, it's an interesting problem to have when you have uh, a bunch of different quarterbacks. I think they're so committed to Dak Prescott over the last couple of seasons, it probably um, kept them. I mean, Prescott led the SEC in, in snaps last year by a wide margin. And Chad Kelly was second, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, they, they they probably didn't get the development of their younger guys, at least at game speed, like they wanted to. But uh, they got four quarterbacks to look at, and from everybody you listen to, uh, they all it's, – it's what's so intriguing about the battle is they all offer different things. Uh, it's not like, uh, you know, this guy has you know, three features you like. It's like they all are really good at one thing. If you could put them together, you may have the, the super quarterback, but uh, <laughs> you can't. And then uh, Nick Tiana, who's the youngest of the quartet, I think a lot of people love his intangibles and ultimately think he'll be the best of all four of them, but he's the youngest right now so uh that's that's kind of going against him yeah and you know state saved uh damian williams a lot of folks probably forgot who he is but the uh the guy who basically held serve for the bulldogs in the last uh in the last egg bowl win for state yeah in 2013 he started the game um was not good but wasn't bad well that, <laughs> so, I mean, look, uh, and that, know, that was that, the thing that was what they asked Prescott him to do. came off the bench and wound up pulling state from behind in that game but Williams kept them in it. Yeah, he um, he threw an ill-advised interception in the fourth quarter uh, that uh, was returned, I think, uh, by Cody Pruitt down inside uh, State's thirty. Their defense kind of bowed up and held Ole Miss out of the end zone, and that was where they they said uh, we're we're gonna win, we're gonna try to win it now with with Dak. We've gotten as far as we can, and yeah. they came in and and uh, I guess the rest is history. Got in the field goal um, through a. A virtual pick six to uh, Keith Lewis <laughs> to just hit him right in the chest, and he dropped it. And then, of course, uh, like uh, a good player does, he, he capitalized on that, and they ended up winning the game. But yeah, Darren Way, or yeah, he was uh, Damian Williams was uh, was redshirted a year ago, so he would have a year uh, under his belt, maybe to step in this year. But uh, Nick Fitzgerald played a good bit last year in the Northwestern State game. I know a lot of state folks, including my brother-in-law Jay, yeah, love him. Uh, he is. I mean, look, I'll give him credit where credit is due. He, he uh, uh, Brent tells me, my brother-in-law tells me he's going to be better than Dak. That's well, what he says. Well, a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know about that. It kind of sounds like the the Michael Spurlock uh, syndrome and uh, <laughs> that Ole Miss had after Eli left. But uh, yeah, we'll see about it though because he looked pretty good. And of course, Elijah Staley was a highly touted recruit 
uh, that graduated early due to some weird circumstances, and uh, we'll see what he has uh, he has too. We'll talk to David Brand about that because I'm really anxious to hear what uh, he has to to say about it after a few days uh, yeah. in the trenches, as it were. Well, they got to replace two underclassmen they lost on the defensive side of the ball, which may be as big a deal as anything for oh, Mississippi yeah. State this coming season. They got to figure out who's going to who's going to carry the ball for them. Their running game, and that's usually their strength. They always usually have a bell cow, cow bell, whatever mm-hmm. tailback. And uh, <laughs> and last year they didn't really, um, so that's going to be interesting. Ole Miss, you know, uh, you know, here comes uh, the Rebel season, and they are uh, part of a trio of teams that have uh, that are considered to have a shot to win the SEC West this year, uh, and, and uh, the sky's the limit uh, for them offensively. But they do have to replace a left tackle. A lot of people think outside of the quarterback, most most important position on the field. Uh, they've got some interesting options um, in a depth chart that they released last month. They had Jeremy Liggins yeah. as the projected starter at left tackle. He is not on the team anymore. So He's not? No, he is not. That's now, the wait word. a minute. That's the word I'm hearing is that he will not be on the roster come See, I've heard that's, start. That's, that's, I've heard that's rumor. Uh, so I don't know. I, I'm, I keep waiting for an official word. Yeah, I haven't um, heard I haven't heard officially yet. But, and I would assume you'll see that on Sunday when the uh, or, or maybe tomorrow when the roster uh, is released yeah. with the number change. Well, regardless, I mean, that's the former Lafayette, Lafayette County, Mississippi Gulf Coast, and LSU quarterback. An Ole Miss quarterback. Uh, yeah, he's played some quarterback yeah. at Ole Miss with a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and he is lift, listed as, as the projected left tackle. But, of course, uh, you've got uh, a five-star high school All-American yeah. uh, that, that's coming in. Greg Little out of Allen, Texas, will be coming in uh, or is already there. So I think – uh, I mean, look, I know there's there's a lot of leverage on this season. You've got to make hay in 2016 uh, with Ole Miss football, with the receivers you got coming back, Chad Kelly at quarterback, and uh, the potential season they may have. Um, you, you don't want to just give it to the true freshman just to get his feet wet. No, you, you want to have a good left tackle. But I don't know, man. I, I think it, before the season is over – He'll be the guy there. I think so, too. And then, uh, you know, with the roster that they did release uh, about a month ago, right now, if the starting left tackle obviously is not going to be Jeremy Liggins, uh, if it doesn't include Greg Little, it'll be the exact same offensive line that played against – that was on the field in the second half against Alabama uh, in Tuscaloosa. So they got through that fire uh, with a win. Maybe they can do it again against Florida State. It's going to be tough, though, uh, to do that. As far as receivers go, Jay, uh, Bruce Feldman, who's a writer uh, and a broadcaster on uh, Fox – the yeah. Fox Network came out with these top ten receiving cores of the of the country. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss was not in that list, and I am flabbergasted by that. Well, who did I see? I heard some uh, Phil Phil Steele. Yes, he is has uh, Ole Miss fourth in the SEC West. See, I'm flabbergasted by that too. Well, I, I, I would think that this this uh, I, as far I as think... recruiting goes and the and the returning talent with Evan Ingram, Stringfellow, I, I would think this would be one of the better uh, units in the SEC. I agree. No, they're they're bringing back four of their top six receivers and Quincy Adebojo. Everybody um, forgets about him, but boy, what a year he had last year. Well, Adebojo was good, and then Stringfellow really came on in the second half last year. Uh, but I think a lot of people are looking at what they lost. They're looking at Treadwell, and out Treadwell, there, and, and Cody Core, and they're thinking, well, I mean, it's going to be really hard to replace those guys. But yeah. Demarcus um, Lodge is there. Uh, AJ Jefferson is also there too, from a, a pretty highly touted receiving core they got in recruiting a couple of years ago. And then, of course, they got the the the, the superstars from this year's recruiting class with uh, with Metcalf. And uh, and the and the fellow from Starkville who was the best player in the well the best offensive player in the state I think Simmons obviously was the best player but 
Well, there's some debate. Yeah. We don't know. I, I, I don't want folks to forget about Markel Pack. I, and, I still yeah. think there's a lot of high end. Hey. He was a uh, potential for him. He was a receiver Ole Miss stole away from Florida State recruiting. So, yeah, I mean, that's somebody that's supposed to be big. He had a big catch in that 2014 Alabama win, too. So it's going to be a – I mean, there's a just a bounty of riches in that position for Ole Miss right now. I think I, for them it's less for, – for people trying to figure out if Ole Miss is going to have a good recruiting class or not – I mean, excuse me, a good receiving core. core or not. Less about the guys catching it and concentrate more on the guy throwing it. Yeah, it's gonna be all right. Yeah, regardless he, of who they have, he's gonna, gonna be, be okay. He's gonna be fine, I think. If uh, and uh, as Frieza alluded to us uh, a couple or last week when we or two weeks ago, I guess when we spoke to him and at SEC Media Days, I, you know, and you hate to say this, but I don't know how much better Chad Kelly could look than he did the last seven games of the year. I mean, one turnover and all those touchdowns, running the football when he started to use his legs with a, uh, you know, doing that. Uh, but uh, I guess there's always room for improvement, so we'll see if he can get better. Uh, if if he does, uh, then look out because he had the second best statistical season in SEC history last year. Yeah. So. And then uh, Southern Miss um, this year expected to repeat as uh, division champions in Conference USA. They've got a, a, a senior laden offense, bringing a lot of big time guys back. Of course, Nick Mullins is on every kind of offensive player watch list that you could have. Um, you know, along with, you know, Chad Kelly. I mean, Mullins um, is really, I guess you would call maybe one of the two front runners for uh, uh, this year's uh, C Spire uh, Connolly Trophy. Trophy. I wanted to say Ferris. I'm still stuck in baseball season. Hey, excuse me. We're, we're going to talk a little baseball <laughs> later because me and you've got a series I know you, this weekend. You're, you're, you're pumped up because your favorite team in mind, the A's and the Cubs, are playing, and uh, you're the one of the two of us that's pumped up about that. <laughs> Uh, because your team is having a good year, and mine is definitely not. And it's the West Coast, so the games come on at like 10 o'clock at night, And it's, yeah. but it falls on a weekend, so I don't have to be real sleepy at work when I stay up and watch these uh, <laughs> when I stay up and watch these games. Of course, my wife's going to be like, what are we doing? Why are we staying home and watching this? Well, I mean, like, you, can just, you can it's bust on her because she makes you watch NASCAR all the time. That's true. That is true. Yeah, so she owes you. She does. Right? That's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm gonna. I need to cut this part out of the show this because I said it, it, it didn't, and you didn't have to. Well, I 100 percent agreed with you. <laughs> Very quickly, I might add. But yeah, Southern Miss. I mean, what an exciting season that they're going to have too. And I think that Jay Hobson comes in here and they don't miss a beat. Honestly, well, that's going to be interesting. Is you know he he did a really good job in his first opportunity to be a leader at Allcorn State. Now he comes to Southern Miss, and um, boy, out of all the coaching changes, and you can read this in the many of the preseason college football magazines. Out of all the coaches changing jobs, I mean, he's he's considered to have the best, um, the, the best group that he's taken over. Um, I mean, obviously, and, and, yeah, I mean, and takes over a team that won the division and was close to winning a conference championship. Yeah, uh, previous coach goes and takes an offensive coordinator spot in the NFL, which is random, but yeah. I don't in the middle of like very late. Yeah, like almost uh, what was it? Like middle of January, yeah, beginning of February, right before recruiting, very ended. close to signing day. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty interesting. But, uh, yeah, I think Southern Miss, of course, they've got a big matchup right off the bat. They're going to go to Kentucky. Um, and, look, I, this is a this is a big year for Kentucky. Yeah. It's a pressure year on their coaching staff. Yeah. Brooks has to – I mean, uh, Brooks, I'm thinking about mid-2000s Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stoops. Stoops and that, that bunch need to win. You've heard all the hype about how they're great recruiting, what they've been doing on the recruiting trail a couple of years ago. And then uh, they beat South Carolina into that long SEC road losing streak. And then after that, just poof. 
Well, nothing. look, I mean, they've they went they've gone five and seven, five and seven, I think, in his first two years, and uh, they just completed a more than one hundred and twenty-five million dollar stadium expansion. And well, kinda, they actually went down in exp- in the uh, capacity, but it's nicer now. Okay, they went from sixty-seven to around sixty-one, I think. Well, how about that? That's interesting. So. Eh, well, you know, but it's not. Well, it, it, it's still an improvement on the facility. The facility was not that great, but it was bigger. Now the now the seating capacity is a little smaller, a more intimate deal with the with the Kentucky fans. More luxury, but it's a, not yes. There's more yeah. luxury boxes there for that's Calipari. That's, and, that's the way you got to go. Calipari, Anthony Davis, and all those basketball players can come back and watch the football. Oh look, man, you know, like uh, <laughs> in the SEC, how like basketball season is where fans can come together and talk face to face about football recruiting. It's just the opposite at Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Football season is where they can all get together and talk face to face about basketball recruiting. That's, yeah, and that's basketball Kentucky. in general. But yeah, all the money they spent on uh, upgrading the football stadium, and uh, they just completed an indoor practice facility, uh, the the first of those for them. So uh, they're very excited. They feel like they've, uh, at least from a fans and supporter standpoint, uh, they've 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 put up their end of the bargain, and now they need Stoops and their staff to uh, hold up their end. And so, big game for them especially with the unveiling of the, the newly renovated Commonwealth Stadium, will be a home game against Southern Miss. And that ain't no easy shakes. Mm-mm. Thanks a lot, schedule, bro. <laughs> I mean, that, that's... I mean, what, Moorhead State was busy today? And we couldn't we couldn't play Eastern Kentucky? What are, the, what are the governors doing? I like your... Uh, well, not Moorhead State, but talking about Moorhead, uh, a college in Moorhead, we'll talk to David Brandt here in a minute about, about the uh, crazy documentary that was on the net, on Netflix this uh, past... Absolutely. I guess last weekend. Yeah, Buddy Stevens, man. Whew. He ain't afraid. We can't play any of that. We can't play any excerpts <laughs> of that show on this show. <laughs> That's right. Buddy did all but tell his players, look, if you're scared, get in my pocket. All right, so we'll take a break. David Brandt, AP Sports Editor for the State of Mississippi. On the other side of this timeout, you're listening to Season Pass. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. You're listening to MPB's Season Pass with Jay White and Sam Wells. Wrap it in Malone and White. Touchdown, Ole Miss! This one belongs to the Golden Eagles. Got a show idea? Email us. Sports at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. It's MPB's Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Have the Associated Press Sports Editor for the state of Mississippi on the line with us now, David Brandt, back on MPB's Season Pass. David, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning. How are you? Doing well, man. It's great to have you back on the program. Um, Man, it's almost time for college football. Did you get any time to kind of get off the grid in the summertime? Oh, yeah, a little bit. It wasn't with with Mississippi, you know, you always got to worry about college baseball going uh-huh. really deep into the summer. And, and really, I think everybody was surprised when Mississippi State lost in that super regional to Arizona. But, 
it did if there is a bright side not for state but it did give everybody a couple extra weeks off i guess <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, that was uh, very interesting the arizona makes a deep run into the college world series which i think turns the knife a little bit more but uh, getting into college football season, it's been um, a, a tumultuous offseason for Mississippi State and Ole Miss, one they'd like to forget, but uh, a season of promise for both the teams. Let's just get to the games, for God's sake. What do you think, uh, uh, for for Ole Miss, uh, what, is, what is the biggest uh, storyline on the football field this season? I know that the, the NCAA thing is hanging over their head, and we, we'll get to that in just a second, but... As far as the team proper and playing games this season, their perspective uh, on on the 2016 football season, what's the biggest storyline for them? Well, I think for them, obviously, they've still got some really good players like Chad Kelly, a quarterback's going to be good. They're deep at receiver. They've got some defensive linemen and, and Tony Connor, the safety bouncing back from injury. But I think overall you want to see if this team now – it's been a while with Hugh Freeze. We're in the fourth, fifth season. If he has been able to recruit at a level where you can lose guys like Robert Kimdichie, Laquan Treadwell, um, Laramie Tunzel, and you're able to say next and you can still compete at the highest level in the Western Division all across the board, it's, it's seeing if your recruiting was, was truly like a, a one- or two-year wonder or if it's truly something that's sustainable throughout the years. And so I, I don't know if there's just one particular position I'm really interested in. Obviously, left tackle is very important because of just protecting Chad Kelly. Um, but, but there's just several positions where they really like some of their young players, and you want to see if they can truly you know, just put guys into a starting role and perform at a high level because that's what the Alabamas and the LSUs of the world yeah. have been able to do so well the last 10 years or so. David, kind of not really recruiting, but uh, they get Isaac Gross back in the middle there, which will help uh, plug that hole that Robert Kimdichie is leaving. Uh, the defensive line looks like it's going to be all right if Fadal Brown can uh, shake this tough injury he's got going on right now. Yeah, Fadal Brown's key, and then Isaac Gross, you talked about him. I mean, he, he's an emotional leader, too, on that defensive line, a, a veteran guy who plays really hard, pretty undersized, really, for the defensive line, but has figured out a way to have a really effective career. And, and then some young guys, like they really like Breland Speaks. Um, you know, when, when Robert Kimdichie was out for the, the Sugar Bowl, Breland Speaks stepped in and played really well. And then Marquise Haynes on the outside, they should be very good there. They're, they're very deep at that area. Um, it, it's something they've worked hard at recruiting, and, and I think they're going to be pretty good. And David, the elephant in the room, if you can call an, uh, uh, well, I guess you can really call it an elephant in the room if you talk to the elephant and hang out with it all the time, is the uh, the NCAA stuff. What uh, is there any A? Is there any new information? And B, you and I were at the uh, Ole Miss Rebel reunion thing a couple of weeks ago. It seems like the fans, at least, are using it as sort of a rallying point uh, to get around and get and give some support to Hugh Freeze. Are the is the team doing that as well? And it seems like they may have a chip on their shoulder throughout the 2016 season. Yeah, you would think so. I, I don't really have any new information on that case. It is moving at an absolute snail's pace, and I wouldn't be surprised if this drags into 2017 just with people I've talked to and everything. Um, I, I do think that one of the most interesting things with Hugh Freeze during his tenure is he has an uncanny ability to get his team to rebound from situations that, you know, on the football field, they'll, they'll lose heartbreaking games, and you think they just have have to absolutely be crushed and then they'll come back the next week and play really well and beat a high profile opponent you know they, they bounce back from just a crushing loss to memphis last year 
um, lost by two touchdowns on the road, you know, and it was just, you know, it was a humiliating loss and they still bounced back and had a really good year. I, I think this will be Hugh Freeze's toughest test yet. Um, you've got the NCAA case. You've got a really front-loaded schedule with Florida State and Alabama. And if for some reason things don't go well early, how do you respond? And, and like I said, I, I think Hugh Freeze has a, a, a really great talent at getting teams to bounce back. But still, this might be his toughest task yet. David, talking about Mississippi State coming into this season, uh, having to replace the, the most high-profile player in the history of their program, certainly in Dak Prescott. Uh, uh, Dan is is continuing to talk about uh, a four quarterback race, which is very interesting. You've got a, a redshirted junior that's coming back, uh, uh, who has played before and has been around the program for a long time. You got a couple of uh, highly touted guys that are expected to kind of step into the position, and a freshman they're talking about may have better intangibles than the, than anybody else in the group. So. Uh, it, it's wide open, and, and nobody's tipping their hand about anything. What do you think about this quarterback race at Mississippi State? It is interesting, and, and like you said, I, I think it actually is, you know, sometimes coaches will say, oh, we're having a quarterback competition, but really in their mind they know who they're going with. I, I think it's State that this is a pretty wide open race. I would, just because of his experience and knowing the offense, I think Nick Fitzgerald probably has a little bit of an inside track. But, again, Damian Williams has played a little bit of football. Elijah Staley looked pretty good last year when he was in, too. And then you talked about the freshman. And, and long-term, I think they might like him more than anybody, that Nick Tiano. So um, I, I think it really is – you know, it, it comes down to logistically, because there's a limit on how much time you can practice in camp, how long can you really give four different guys equal reps? You've got yeah. to start whittling it down fairly soon you know, to, to get at least two guys ready. Because you can't really play, I, I guess you could play three or four in a game, but that doesn't seem very smart. So I, I think they'll whittle it down to two or three guys. And like I said, just handicapping it early, I, I think Fitzgerald, at least on day one, might have the inside track. But I, that's not set in stone at all. David Cudcliffe would disagree with you, David, that you can't play three quarterbacks in one game. <laughs> that's that's a it's been done before, but usually it's kind of unruly. Yeah, once. It's been done one time, and it worked, uh, it worked a little bit there. Talk about the state's offensive line. Hevesy's a great coach. He's always been able to put the line together for, uh, seemingly without a high-profile recruit on the offensive side of the, on the offensive line. But, boy, they looked very suspect in the last few games of the season last year against Alabama and Ole Miss. Yeah, that really was kind of a sore spot. They got, they got beat up a little against LSU early in the season, too. And I think that really as much as we talk about the quarterbacks, and obviously that's a very important position on the field, but I, I think they are going to be able to find somebody that's going to be decent at quarterback, somebody that's going to be able to move the ball. But I, I worry for the quarterback about the people around him. And Fred Ross is a really good player, a receiver, but then do you have the time to do what you need to do with that offensive line? They do have some guys back, Justin Senior, Devin Desper, Jamal Claiborne. Those guys have played a decent amount of football. I, I think right now at left tackle, you know, was kind of a mild disaster at times last year with, with Rufus Warren there. They want to put Martinez Rankin there, um, at least from the get-go. And so, again, we'll, we'll see how that goes. They've got some experience on the line. But I, I think their quarterback position, again, will be okay if they have time to do what they need to do. Um, and, and it's just I, I'm not sure if he's going to have that time. David Southern Miss uh, expected to be, and I saw your tweet about this a little bit earlier in the summer, but Southern Miss projected to win uh, uh, their division again in Conference USA. 
no pressure there, first year coach Jay Hobson. Uh, but he's got uh, you know some playmakers on offense, a thousand yard runner coming back, and uh, and uh, Nick Mullins, who's been just all everything. And uh, the resurrection of that quarterback seems like this is his 19th year at Southern Miss, uh, and he's got one more. And uh, this, the sky could be the limit for this team, and they've got a really intriguing game to start their season. Yeah, absolutely. They get Kentucky, and, and that's you know a game. I, I really, especially if Todd Munkin were still there, I think they'd have a really good chance to go in there and pull off the upset. But I think when you're bringing in a whole new staff, it, it just – I'm not knocking Jay Hobson on this, but it just – you know, the, the transition period, it's always a little uncomfortable, and I don't know if that's a good situation going into a, an SEC team's home field. So, yeah. But you're right, Nick Mullins has played a ton of football. He's gotten better each year. They've got they just got so much experience. You know, Edo Smith, they've got several receivers back, D.J. Thompson, their offensive line, their defense. I mean, I think they could be set up for a really good year. My, my question with them is just the transition again to Jay Hobson. I, I think that he's a very good coach. I, I like what they did there in a lot of ways, but Todd Munkin, as we all know, was an offensive guy. Um, Jay Hobson is more of a defensive guy, and yeah. certainly when he was at Alcorn State, he had a good offense. That's not the point. It's just that with different philosophies and different points of view, sometimes it takes a little while to get the ball rolling and, and get the team to look the way you want to as a coach. And so you wonder if this is going to be a fit, at least right away. And it would be a shame to waste kind of, uh, I don't know if waste is the right word, but you understand what I'm saying. They've got a really good situation right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. It's just that the coaching staff can mesh with the roster. Right, and well, and the interesting thing about that is a lot of uh, his his offensive coaching staff is now, you know, the, what is what what is now the head coach and his offensive coaching staff at Alcorn State. Uh, uh, Fred McNair's taking the role there, and then you've got Tony Hughes, a new coach at Jackson State, and uh, the the rivalry between Alcorn and JSU will have a totally new look for 2016. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting, and I, I am really interested to see what Tony Hughes does at Jackson State. Obviously, he waited a long time uh, to get his chance to become a head coach, took a sizable pay cut from everything I've read to do so, um, but he really wants to lead this team, and, and I think Tony Hughes obviously – knows Mississippi football as well as just about anybody at the college level. And he knows the kind of guys, the, the level of guys he needs to get at Jackson State to sustain success and, and to have success at that SWAC level. And so even if they're not immediately successful, I think that that was a really good long-term hire. And I think he will be able to turn them around enough in the near term, too, to be very competitive. David, before we let you go, what do you think about? Uh, have you had a chance to see Last Chance You on uh, on Netflix? And uh, a little bit about boy, man, Buddy Stevens. Uh, this guy—he's a character, he, man. He is a—he is a, a <laughs> lightning rod of opinion, uh, both himself and what people think about him. And uh, this has just added some fuel to that fire. Yeah, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't gotten the chance to sit down and and watch the whole thing, but I have seen clips and you know people talking about it and. You know, nothing that happens at the Duco level surprises me <laughs> from <laughs> being around that, that level. I mean, it's a great place to, you know, hone your skills and do some different things, but it is sometimes it's truly the wild, wild west. Yeah, absolutely it is. That's, uh, it, it will be interesting to see how this year plays out for him. And it's, so, it's, it's ironic that this documentary comes out the year after they had so much trouble. Um, right. You know, a, a, a brawl that ends their season essentially and costs them a playoff spot, and you know, there's the stuff with the referee on the sideline. Anyway, 
David, thank you so much, man. We certainly do appreciate it. Looking forward to the football season, and we'll talk to you again soon, all right? Absolutely, guys. Take care. There you go. One of the best in the biz, David Brandt, the AP uh, sports editor for the state of Mississippi, Associated Press there. He's like the nicest guy, too. Absolutely. When you run into him at stuff, he's like, oh, yeah, what's up? Right, right. I, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's because he works for the Associated Press and not like a specific uh, entity. Yeah, I don't so, know. Uh, maybe that's uh, totally shooting in the dark right there. I don't know. Maybe but he's he is a nice, a nice guy. guy. He absolutely know. is. All right, we'll, we'll, we will take a break, get right back to it. After this timeout with Sam Wells, I'm Jay White. You're listening to MPB Season Pass on Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. It's MPB Season Pass with Jay White. I'm Sam Wells. Sam Kendricks, a pole vaulter for the University of Mississippi's track program, will be heading to Rio. I think he's already uh, should be there already, I believe, since the opening ceremonies are tomorrow night. Uh, but uh, MPB News uh, producer Sid Scott got a chance to sit down with Sam before he took off to Rio, and uh, we have that conversation now. You may have heard it on MPB's uh, Mississippi edition a couple of weeks back, but uh, we thought we'd let you hear it one more time since Sam will be heading to the Olympics uh, tomorrow with Brittany Reese and a host of other Mississippians to try and take home a medal. Uh, Sid began the conversation by asking Sam about the thrill of being in the Olympics and when he heads to Rio. This is MPB's Season Pass on MPB Think Radio. Yeah, I just got back from team processing yesterday, and I'm just trying to sort through all this stuff I have to wear in the village today. Excellent. So when are you heading down to uh, to Rio? I will head down just before the opening ceremony. When you were a child, when you were a kid growing up uh, in Oxford, did you dream about going to the Olympics? Well, I think all kids dream to that highest level in whatever respect or discipline they're trying to pursue or they start in, just because they want to Kids are always looking forward to something, and I'm no, I was no different. Now, in high school, my father was a high school track coach, and when I was in middle school, I wanted to make his high school track team. Now, I wasn't very tall, very athletic when I was 12 and 13, but a coach's kid has to have an advantage. And since he was a track coach, I spent every afternoon on the track, and we had women's pole vault added to the Mississippi High School Athletic Association in 2006. So on the advent of women's pole vault, a small pole vaulter like myself has now a new selection of equipment to use, which really opened the opportunity for me to learn how to pole vault in the classical sense. So you started out not as a as a pole vaulter initially. It's something you you just sort of um, you saw an opportunity there, opportunity there because the equipment was there, and you just started trying it out. Well, um, I had always watched the high school athletes, and my father had many good Mississippi high school boys pole vault and he was a great coach um I ran cross country and played soccer for many years before I ever picked up pole vaulting but the vault was just something that was a a good group of athletes at my high school and I got to hang around them but eventually it became my program and my group of athletes when I was in high school and then moved on to college when you were growing up and you watched the the summer olympics 
Who were some of your idols? Who were some of the guys you looked at and you thought, man, I want to be like that guy? Well, you know, I didn't really have to look far for good role models in my event. Now, just one state away in Jonesboro, Arkansas, there is a place called Bell Athletics. And in Bell Athletics, um, they train, have trained many, many Olympic-level pole vaulters just in a gym just not two hours away from my house. And I actually went in middle school to go to a club or go to a, a clinic that Coach Bell and his vaulters put on. They still do this. But we learned so much about higher level of pole vaulting and the history of the event in just two days. Um, and so it gave us a real connection to the event. My father has been my coach for the last 10 years. And so he's walked through this with me and he's helped me learn the event as he knew it. And then we've had to learn the event together as we've grown and improved. Coach Bell um, was a world record holder and a world champion in years past and also my manager. Now, his name is Jeff Hartwig, and he's the indoor American record holder, and I travel with him all over the world. He's a great source of uh, intellect and wisdom in the event. And so these guys are the guys I grew up watching. Looking forward to Rio. Who internationally is uh, is big in your event? Who Who's the competition? Well, in the, once I left the University of Mississippi, my goal was to make my presence known in the top lists of the event. Now, in track and field, because athletes are from all over and there are so many competitions, we are all judged by a ranking system. And you have to compete in high-level competitions, World Grand Prix, Diamond League, World Challenge competitions in order to boost your rank, and you have to do well. And I wanted to have that base of experience in these high-level meets because you see the same faces most of the places you go at the highest level, usually about – 10 or 12 guys that you'll see at every every high-level event, and that's where you get the most incentive and the most points for world ranking. So currently, I am ranked number two in the world. I had the second uh, average highest marks in high-level competitions. My better at the current point is the uh, 2012 Olympic champion. His name is Reno Levillani. Where is he from? He's from France. From France. Is he going to be in Rio? He sure is. He's trying to defend his title. Every year before the Olympics, uh, there was always concern about whether the host city is ready. This year is no different. Thinking about that, thinking about the mosquito-borne illnesses, did you hesitate for a moment on deciding whether you wanted to go? In response to that question, I, I just want to recall the first question. The very fact that when I started this event, I never considered, but I dreamed that I could go to the Olympics one day. And so every athlete when these circumstances are put before him, has to decide, is he willing to take on the risk? And my answer was yes. I know the USOC is going to do their best, and I'm, I think I'm personally prepared um, and, I suppose, willing to, uh, to take on that risk myself in heading down there to represent my country. Um, it really didn't take me long to come to that conclusion. Sam Kendricks from Oxford, Mississippi. He, Brittany Reese. Uh, and uh, Tory uh, and a few other Olympians going down there from Mississippi. I think Mississippi has uh, 18 uh, connections to uh, folks in the uh, Olympic Games from uh, a few different countries besides just uh, just America. Opening ceremony starts tomorrow night, 6.30, on your local NBC affiliate. And uh, I'll talk to Jay when we return about Olympic fever, because I certainly have it. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that and what's coming up this weekend. It's MPB Season Pass on MPB Think Radio.
This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road. Welcome back. It's MPB Season Pass on Think Radio with Sam Wells. I'm Jay White. Sam, uh, I don't know, with all this uh, college football talk coming up now, we're in August now. Yeah. And uh, high school football, it's just a couple weeks away, man. High school football starts in 14 days. Yeah, programming alert, Friday night under the lights with you and Russ and Jake and the other 19 people that are in the studio on that that, uh, Friday night school board show kicks off August 19th, the day after the season starts. I think uh, a lot of schools kick off on Thursday night. Clinton and South Panola, another big game to start the season. A lot of big games to begin the season. But, uh, boy, that was supposed to be a big one for the Arrows last year, and uh, Thump wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> so they're uh, they're coming into it with probably the best uh, player in the state and probably the best uh, one of the best players in the country in Cam Akers. Certainly the biggest recruit Clinton's had uh, maybe ever since, uh, and especially since the uh, 2001 senior class with uh, LaCorey's Hodge and Clarence McDougal and those uh, and those folks. And of course, you can't forget about Dante Walker from uh, 1999. So. Big running back. Hopefully, Cam uh, has a little bit. Geez, that's almost twenty years ago. Has a little bit better of a. Uh, yeah, no. My my wife graduated in nineteen ninety nine from high school, so she reminds me that that of that all the time. It's kind of nauseating because I'm like, yeah. we're not that old, and then, and then I'm thinking about year that. Reunion yeah, and then I'm like, coming but, up, but, but right? maybe we are. Where did that happen? Yeah, I don't know where the time went, but uh, yeah. Uh, so it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a great it's gonna be a great season. I'm fired up about the Olympics, man. I can't wait. I cannot wait till tomorrow. The soccer really? tournament starts today. I'm not real into it because uh, there's no team. I, I like the England, you know, soccer team. And I like America because I live in America. Basically, if you speak English, <laughs> I'm all about following your soccer team. Uh-huh. I'm not prejudiced towards countries who do not speak English, but I have a more, I have a connection with the ones who do because then they interview the players and I can understand what they're saying. I can get a little bit of Spanish, some French, but not not enough to really like know what's happening. But uh, yeah, but no, but no team <laughs> that uh, that that's uh, country speaks English one. Won their way into it, England and the uh, the UK, the British Isles don't have a team in the Olympics because uh, their federations all fight. So Wales, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and England couldn't like come together to form a team this time because they were they don't want to. And then America didn't qualify; they lost to uh, Colombia. And, and I don't think Australia made it either. I think Fiji uh, knocked them out. So. That's the great thing about go. international soccer. The size of your country matters not. Or your population yeah. uh, means zero. Yeah. And it's, I mean, really, I mean, when you look at it, it's just, hey, man. Yeah. Your best 20, right? Yeah. The season of this, the tournament. How good kicks are your off, best uh, 20? The tournament kicks off today. Uh, Iraq plays the first game. 
And I think a lot of Americans can definitely get behind them and pull for them with all the craziness that's been going on in their country for the last ten years. They won their way in. They don't have a they don't have a uh, a sports minister who's whipping them if they don't win games to injure their players. Now I guess so they they found their way in. They won. They made it in the '04 Olympics as well. So they've had kind of a sports renaissance since uh, the the war began back in 2003. How about that? So wow. good for them, and I'll be, I'll be, I guess I can adopt them as my team I pull for. Uh, but uh, the Olympic soccer tournament's weird. I know a lot of people don't care about this, but on your 23-man roster for the tournament, you can have three international, like, they're supposed to be folks under the age of 21, uh-huh. but you can have three players that are not of that ilk. So, like, Brazil's bringing Neymar, who's a huge player. And uh, if, uh, if Portugal did not win the Euro champion championships a couple of weeks ago, they were going to bring Cristiano Ronaldo with them. But, oh, well. He destroyed his knee, right? Uh, he's hurt. His knee is hurt. Yeah. I don't know how destroyed, quote, unquote, it is. Um, but, uh, yeah. But this so is going to be three awesome. spots. I mean, what? So you don't, you know, you have to have is like some sort of dissension from the country. It could be a, it can be a professional player. Like they can like Argentina can bring Lionel Messi with them or something okay. like that. So it's not like the world baseball classic where, uh, you know, Mike Piazza is from California, but because he's got uh, double Z's in his name, he can be Italian. <laughs> yeah. No, it's no. not like that. Uh, uh-uh, it's okay. not like that. Well, it is like that, but that's our, that's, <laughs> that gets solved long ago. Like you can't do what they uh-huh. do where a rod one year plays for USA and then the next year plays for the Dominican Republic and that you can't, yeah, that. yeah. That's you have to sign, you have to sign a thing saying that you, you're here. Like if your mom is English or something, then you can play for like, the UK, the England team yeah. or whatever, but if you are... You can't go play for Italy because your name kind of sounds like pizza. Yeah, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Okay. Well, Unless your dad is Italian. If you have some sort of Italian birth, if you have some sort of heritage in your past, you, you can do that, but not many people really do that. Okay. <laughs> well, anything else besides... I, I mean, I know you're a huge soccer guy. No, but, I mean, uh, you know, hey, our, our... The Olympics have snuck up on me, so I, I am not in for it yet. I, I'm going to have to is see not... it on TV. Yeah, the soccer's not my thing in the Olympics. It's not that entertaining to me. But, uh, man, the, the, I swam in high school, so I love the swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, I love uh, the, the track and field stuff because we have so many Mississippians in it from uh, uh, from that, you know, from that sport. Um, so it's going to be awesome. But it doesn't start for like a week and a half. Uh, of course, my wife really gets into the gymnastics, and I can't lie. I get into it, too. Everybody does. You get sucked in by Al Troutwick and all these, and Carrie Strug and all that. So you can't, you can't, you can't not. It's impossible. It's like figure skating. Nobody watches it in, until it's, you know, the Olympics, and then everybody's, like, glued to it on a that Saturday night. That is true. And I wonder why those sports can't necessarily carry over the the – the raucous following they get during these two weeks I don't of know. the we, Olympic Games. We talked you, to you the, mentioned the, the women's coach. gymnastics yeah. and then the women's figure skating, which, of course, is a, a winter game sport. But, I mean, those those teams, I mean, you are a rock star oh, yeah. during the Olympics. I mean, yeah. I don't know why it is, but th- those two are just breakout sports. Swimming has been that way, too. This is last hurrah for Michael Phelps, right? Yeah, it is. And then, uh, you know, some of the big stars from last year didn't make it. Uh, but, uh, you know, Missy Franklin will be back for the women. And, uh, uh, you know, we talked to the Delta State swimming coach back in March uh, and April and asked him, like, hey, what do you see an uptick in interest for your program and your sport during all this stuff? And he definitely was like, oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I told I, I told you guys on that show that day that uh, that's when my friends actually realized that, like, Clinton High School had a swim team. Because they're like, wait, wait, is this what you do in the afternoon? Like, well, yeah, not that fast, but yeah, I do that in the afternoon. <laughs> exactly, just like that. Exactly like 
that. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I I am looking forward to it. I just it, it it really with all this football going on and other stuff, it just haven't it hasn't gotten to my radar yet. Yeah, I'll say this too over the air, Jay. Cubs A's this weekend. We'll we'll, we'll hash out who. Uh, well, I think we know whose team is better, but maybe the win, the wins over the weekend may come uh, your way. And our soccer teams both in the same league now since mine was relegated last year. Right. Aston Villa starts the season on Sunday. Your Birmingham City team starts it on saturday so we can actually watch uh games together now there you go so uh if we is can there find a network it, that carries the there championship? is there is it's called uh being sport that in southern oh, Miss that's football. where conference usa is going oh, yeah. right yeah it is oh my goodness well full circle there you go <laughs> sam wells ladies and gentlemen it's gonna do it for us we'll see you next thursday at 10 for mpv season pass on think radio